I'm Dan Baum, and you're listening to Redefine You. Join us as we continue to explore what happens when we're challenged to change our thoughts, beliefs, or even who we think we are. As I mentioned at the beginning of our last episode, this season, we want to delve into those subjects currently reshaping our world. As examples, we mentioned the pandemic, racial injustice, and police reform. We knew that could get tricky, especially with the looming election. Even the smallest things seem politically charged right now. How much harder would it be to talk about larger issues with open hearts and minds? We decided two things. First, we wanted to bring in as many voices from different backgrounds as we could. Second, we wanted to make good use of the college, which as our guest in this episode says, is a microcosm of our larger community. In many cases, those of us within that microcosm know each other personally. Conversations about difficult issues are often easier with those you know and respect. Today, we'll hear from one of those people whom I know and respect very much, Major Cleveland Smith, Deputy Director of AACC's Department of Public Safety and Police. A lot has transpired in the months since we recorded this interview, but we wanted to share Cleveland's thoughts on policing and the importance of listening and empathy. Today, we're talking with Major Cleveland Smith in the Office of Public Safety and Police. Welcome, Cleveland. Hello. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. It's always a pleasure to talk to you despite uh, the distance. So how are you holding up during this pandemic? All in all, not bad at all. I think it's provided me time to reflect on different things I didn't normally think about. Being around people is number one, I think, but in health in general, things we take for granted. Yeah, you're actually on campus. Our, our college is largely remote in terms of our education and, and workforce. But of course, you and fellow officers are actually there. So what's your role like now during the pandemic? Well, uh, starting back in March, when we went on spring break, it's like we never came back from spring break. The campus police and public safety officers are here 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We may doze, but we never close. So there's always somebody here on campus. This campus always has some sort of activity, even when it's closed for like spring break. So the officers are still doing their normal patrols. And uh, it's been a little different now because most of the buildings are closed. Yeah. I'm curious about some things related to the present situation as well as pre-COVID. So remind me, how long have you been at AACC? Uh, November 1st, 2005, so this will be my 15th year of service coming up in a couple, another month or so. Uh, that's a big milestone. Congratulations. Thank you. And you're also a former county police officer. That's correct. Uh, started with the county police force in uh, July of 1980 and uh, did 20 years of service with them and re- changed careers. I say retired and people say you're too young to retire. So I, I changed careers in uh, August 1st, uh, 2000. I worked uh, all sorts of assignments with the county police department from uh, the Southern District to narcotics, undercover, worked in in high schools, believe it or not, as a student. And then I went to the special operations sections, that's the SWAT team, and worked for them for about four years. I became a sergeant, worked for the internal affairs section for a year, and then I went to the Eastern District. And at one point, the county police chief of police was friends with the president of the college, who was uh, Dr. Florestano at the time. They went golfing periodically. And Dr. Florestano was a, a, a pro-police person, and he wanted to professionalize the security department he had here at the college. So he asked the uh, chief if he could do something to help him out. So the chief said he would send a, a lieutenant and a sergeant 
and a corporal denim to oversee the uh, running of the department. And the, uh, <laughs> the Anne Arundel County Police College Detachment was born. So you've worn a lot of different hats and obviously different roles with the county too before the college. What if, For you personally, what was the biggest difference coming from the county to the college? What do you see as the big difference between the two roles? The immediate biggest difference that I saw was uh, when people waved at me, they used all five fingers. <laughs> <laughs> the, the college, they, they use the whole hand when they wave here. When, when I worked up in uh, North County there, uh, they tend to wave at me with one finger. So uh, that, that was a big difference. So I was surprised at that. No, really, everybody is just nice here. The, the people are friendly. This is one of the, I can't think of a better place to work. When I retired from the county police department about Two or three years after I retired, I applied for a position as the deputy director of public safety here, and I got the position. And we weren't wearing, the chief and I did not wear uniforms at the time. And I had a, a blazer on with the uh, Bob the Seagull logo on the lapel. And I went to a PetSmart down in uh, Annapolis off of Housley Road, and I was checking out. I bought some dog food. And the lady at the cashier, the cashier said, oh, you work at Anne Arundel Community College? I said, yes, ma'am. She got animate. She says, oh, my daughters went there and I went there and it's such a wonderful place. And she went on and on about how wonderful the college was and how it redefined her and redefined her daughters and how wonderful the, the faculty and staff and the administration was at the college. And that just made me proud. I, I just makes me stick my chest out when that happens. And it happens a lot. So you're, you're often the face or the people, you and your fellow officers, the people that students and others are going to interact with when coming to campus. So what what do you strive for with your interactions with people when they come to campus or are on campus? You know, I and I try to have our, our staff, everyone here to realize that uh, we are here to provide a service. We have we, we provide customer service. We have internal customers and we have external customers. But regardless, we're here to provide the service. I mean, I just say, you know, put yourself, play a little role playing, a little empathy, walk a mile in the other person's shoes. And how would you want to be treated uh, in a situation, whatever service that the person is requesting? And we do a pretty good job of that most of the time. Although sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, we all can miss a beat. Police are people too. But uh, overall, I think everybody on this department cares about the community we, we work with and, and serve. Um, it's, it takes a village and, and, and we it just, there's so many moving parts to this college. The college is a microcosm of our community and the college is like, Anne Arundel Community College is like a little city within Arnold. Um, we have all the things that a city would have and uh, we tend to embrace each other and, and listen, be heard, hear each other. That makes a world of difference. Well, clearly your philosophy is shared by the other officers. It's always great interacting with them. And, and you personally have a great sense of humor and have a number of great sayings like you just shared. We may doze, but never close. I think, I think my favorite is uh, we put the unity in community. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, each semester you remind employees to get their parking tag and you send out an email and you do it with a poem. How did, how did that start? <laughs> I think the first time I did it, I was just trying to get people's attention. It's a mundane task and parking is not always easy. So I was just trying to think of something that would make it a little different. And I think I came out with a poem the first year and uh, I got a lot of positive feedback because it was different and people wrote me back in poems. <laughs> and that was funny too. A lot of talent talents around here. That's fun. 
Yeah, the next year, I think uh, I might have done a slideshow. And one year I even sang, which I had to cringe because, you know, nobody wants to hear themselves. This year, I talked about the uh, <laughs> the pandemic and the, the, the virus. But really, I was just, I did that in about 15 or 20 minutes, believe it or not, because I was just sort of thoughts that came to mind about my experience with the, with the, with this pandemic nonsense and the fact that <laughs> the psychology behind going to the store and not seeing any toilet paper on any of the racks, that can be traumatic. I had toilet paper at home, but I was, <laughs> I got, I got, I had fear of missing out. So I started looking for toilet paper, even though I had some at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously the pandemic is not all that we're dealing with today. We've got a lot in the news and there's the Black Lives Matter movement, demonstrations, calls for police reforms. You bring a unique perspective as a police officer who happens to be African-American. What do you see from your experience and your personal experience about what's happening today? I call it three Ps, politics, pandemic, and police reform. You can put it in any order that you seem to seems fit at the time. Um, in terms of police reform and Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, uh, I think people have good points and for good reason. I think sometimes, though, people get caught up in the other stuff that's going on and, 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 mis and their message gets misunderstood. These protests can be like a bad song. The volume is so loud, you can hardly listen to it, and the language becomes so profane, we miss the message. And uh, while there's probably a good message in there, we miss it when the rioting starts and these other behaviors start, we can't even listen to it anymore. And that's kind of what has happened in many occasions. Certainly, things need to be changed and modified in this police problem, because I think a lot of situations where police are encountering the public and they're not trained properly or they're scared of what they're doing. There's some people that made poor career choices and should not be policing. When we make a decision, we, we have there's an awful, awful lot at stake for everybody. And the wrong decision, as we have seen, is uh, a matter of life and death. Somebody's. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 so it's no joke. It's just sad that, that it, we we having such a hard time pulling that together. We're so politically correct, we can't get it right. We uh, go to one extreme or the other. Well, I, you know, I, I often ask people, uh, of course, our theme is redefined. So so asking about that from in, in this context, do you think there's an opportunity to redefine policing or how we talk about criminal justice at this point? I'm sure there is, but it's not a, a it's not a panacea. It's not a silver bullet. It's not going to be automatic. It's a process. It's a thought process. It's a uh, behavior modification. In terms of redefining, I know for myself over the past year or two, through the help of some courses here at the college that I was able to participate in, I have, uh, I try to be more coach-like I, I, in, in my, my actions and thoughts and my deeds. When I'm working as a supervisor, I try to resolve something and I try to do it through a coaching style. Or uh, if I'm talking with people or somebody comes up and they have a problem, I don't have to necessarily be a formal coach, but I can practice some of the good listening skills and and the things that we do to discuss and help get to the bottom of things. And that's helped me a lot, professionally and personally. That's awesome. How did you choose to pursue that professional development? 
the college offered an IPD course. That's a course for faculty and staff, and it was on co- uh, about becoming an engagement coach. So what if all of these experiences, whether whether through coaching and professional development or, or a longtime police officer, what are the lessons learned that you find are most applicable to the present dialogue around policing? You know, it's, society is changing and, and we have to be flexible. You talk about redefining ourselves. We kind of always have to be sort of open to redefine ourselves as police officers and I think as, as, as people. I think also we have to be mindful of when we're dealing with other people. We don't know exactly what headspace they're in. And that if you're dealing with a police officer, for example, and you don't agree, you're not going to win the argument on the street. You need to go ahead and resolve what the situations on the street and then go to court or get an attorney or go to a supervisor. But you don't want to get in an argument with a police officer on the street. If he's not of his right mind, you could be putting yourself at, at much risk. And I'll go a step further because the majority of people, I know there's some bad things that happen to good people, but the majority of people that are having altercations with the police are not following instructions. And their interactions with the police is because they did something to violate the law that brought their, their police to them. So the police didn't get, I, I didn't get up this morning and say, I'm going to look for somebody to lock up. Somebody will do something in front of me to make me have to take some sort of action. Fortunately here, I think on the college also, we have a lot more um, options to arrest than you might on the street. There's a lot of diversion things you can do on the street too, but the college is such a, uh, a, a good atmosphere. Usually there's, there's people that find themselves in trouble is more of a mistake of the heart than a mistake of the head. They didn't intend to do something completely wrong. Does that make sense? It, it does. I, I'm wondering, what would you want people to know most about interacting with you or your fellow officers? What's the mindset you wish they had? I guess basically uh, treat people the way you want to be treated. Speak the way to me the way you want to be spoken to. I mean, I know you might be having a bad day, but pull it in if you can. Or maybe preface <laughs> preface when you start getting, before you, you, you go on your rant with me, tell me that you're having a bad day, and then that, that kind of prepares me for what's coming next. <laughs> but also, you, just got, you just don't know what's going on in people's minds or what you, what, I don't know what, what just happened to you. You might have just had a, found out some very bad news, or maybe you just out, found out some very good news, so you're, you're speeding off campus to see your new grandbaby or something, and I pull you over and. Then you explain, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Okay, we can figure, we can get through that. Or, could, but the main thing is, you want to treat people the way way that you uh, you wish to be treated. Is if you had a magic wand, how how would you use it? What would you want to see going forward? <laughs> Peace on earth and goodwill to man, that that kind of thing. I mean, we just right now, I think as a society, as a country, we're just so d- divided. Um, the people that should be our role models, our leaders are dividing us, are, are giving tacit approval to hatred. And, uh, and, and if you're paying attention, you really see the same attitude in people's behavior these days because it's been given, this bad behavior has been given tacit approval. I'm watching people, these people who are in authority doing things I wouldn't have my child do. You don't teach your children to behave like that or talk like that. You don't teach your child to, to bully people. We, we're against bullies. We teach people how not to be bullied. And uh, so I think we need better examples. But who wants to be a good example when, when we pick them apart? We hear a lot today that people are finding during the, this time that they're, 
they're trying to focus more on what's most important to them. So what, what's been your focus? What's been most important to you at this time? These days, I think family is very important. It always has been, but I, I think some of the times when I reflect on things, I uh, think about how important my family is and, you know, think about growing up and what the parents meant to me and so on and so forth. <clears throat> and what's missing in a lot of times, a lot of situations, where, or I feel for people when I see situations where maybe a, a friend or a father or a mother or a mentor of some sort might have made a difference. These times, this COVID, this quarantine, there's a lot of people, a lot of mental health consumers who are being tested, and some of them aren't doing very well with going through this this pandemic thing. You know, people are losing jobs. There's uncertainty. Um, we don't know what's going on. Then you add it to, like we just spoke about, the politicians, all this confusion. People with that aren't, that, are, that were normally in good positions are getting pushed to the limit. And what about you? So what, what have you been doing to take care of yourself? I've been trying to eat right. Uh, <laughs> like the song, My Next 30 Years, uh, <laughs> Eat more salads, drink f fewer beers uh, in the next 30 <laughs> years. Um, I've been riding my bike a little bit more. I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight. I thought I lost some. I looked behind me and I found it. So I guess I wasn't so successful. <laughs> and how have, you, how have you redefined yourself over time? Or, or how would you say you're redefining yourself now? I think um, my outlook on things, I think I'm a lot more patient with people and things. I think I don't get as... Uh, I have more gray areas in terms of not everything is white or black or, or, or left or right. We have some middle area, some gray area in many situations. However, I, I will say there are some situations where there can be no compromise and, and you have to do what's right. But uh, there are many more situations where there is some, some give and take. Well, that's been so much of my experience in interacting with you and the other officers is I get to know you as people and you get to know me as people. And that's been both enlightening and rewarding. You always ask me about my family and how my kids are doing everything. And there's a relationship there. Do you think that would make a difference if we had more relationships between uh, the community and police? Absolutely. And, and that's really what the police try to do, uh, most of them. Uh, but I think the police... Policing sort of backed itself up into a corner, and, and now we're in a different corner. It used to be, call the police for everything. We'd solve your problems. Then we went to a phase where, well, we can't solve all your problems. We have to help you solve your own problems. That's the community policing uh, aspect. And then as a partner, we partnered through that, and, and that's uh, we have good role models of that, good examples of that here at the campus. And, and when you get off campus, though, it's not as easy because there's more Although there are still some officers that know the beat and know the people in their beat, and they have great relationships. Then there's a lot of people in general, a lot of people are protesting against the police. A lot of people still like the police. You can get a little complex when you're a police and you see all this defund the police and forget the police and all this other kind of stuff they say. They make songs that are, aren't nice about the police. <laughs> but uh, So you can get a little depressing. But overall, I think uh, there's hope for us, and we can, we can, we'll get through this as well. I hope so, too. Absolutely. We will. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to share we didn't get a chance to touch on? Well, I want everybody to get out and vote. Because if you don't vote, I can't discuss anything with you. You got to vote. This is the greatest country in, in, in the world and democracy. And we need to exercise our democratic options. We got to do that. And otherwise, there's no use in having it. You know, like I say, if you don't use it, you lose it. 
See, there's another one of your sayings. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I, I so appreciate you taking the time, Cleveland. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So, thanks for keeping the college safe and take care and be well. You as well, Dan. Thank you, and thank your team for doing this for us. We covered a lot of ground today. For me, the biggest takeaway is the importance of treating others the way we want to be treated. The golden rule. It often comes back to that, doesn't it? Right now, our country is so divided. It sometimes feels like we can't agree on anything. Everything from face masks to racial injustices to climate change are political flashpoints. How can we ever move forward? As we heard today, it starts with listening and putting ourselves in someone else's shoes. We don't always have to agree, and there are times when we feel we can't or should not compromise. But the more we learn to actively listen and try to understand one another, the greater the opportunity to find some middle ground. It's the connections and friendships we make through that effort that will put the unity in community. Redefine You is a production of Anne Arundel Community College. Our executive producer is Allison Baumbush. Our producer is Jeremiah Pravat, and our writer, Amy Carr Willard. Others who help with this podcast include Amanda Behrens, Angie Hamlet, Ben Pierce, and Alicia Renahan. Special thanks to Major Cleveland Smith. Find show notes, how to subscribe, and other extras on our website, aacc.edu slash podcast. I'm your host and creator of this podcast, Dan Baum. Thanks for listening.